0: The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Connected. This is the podcast from Side Street Studio Arts where we talk to the community about the arts. I'm Erin Rayberg, founder and executive director of Side Street and I'm back with our Vote Local series about the arts in politics in anticipation of our 2023 local elections for city council and mayor. I'll be speaking to as many candidates as possible about their participation in and views on the arts and culture in Elgin. And today I'm joined by City Council Candidate Ishmael Cordova. Hi, Ishmael. Welcome.
0: Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's nice to see you today. We're going to dive right in. Um, Ishmael, tell me your Elgin story. What does Elgin have to do with you and what do you have to do with Elgin?
0: Yeah, that's always a fantastic story to tell. So I moved to Elgin when I was eight years old. Um, Prior to eight years old, my family moved around a lot. And unfortunately, that didn't stop when I lived in Elgin either. Um, My parents, unfortunately, were undocumented immigrants with suffering with really strong substance use disorders. And housing was always an issue. However, at the time, Elgin was really booming with jobs. And my family, who was already located here, recruited my family to come back here and kind of settle in at the moment. So I moved here when I was eight. And ever since then, I've never really left besides college for a couple of years. When I was here in Elgin, um, similar to what I referred to before, my parents impacted my life drastically. So I found myself moving two to three times a year to kind of finish school and and make sure that I have a place to live. it was through that experience of moving around that I think I became so social. And that's why I think a lot of people in Elgin know me is because I was somewhere in their life for three, four, six month period. Um, and I was always really an outspoken and and a loud mouth, as I would like to call myself um, through my educational journey. I really blossomed as a leader. And I think that I found I fell in love with Elgin. I consider Elgin my hometown and I've been able to entrench myself in the community as much as possible. Um, I've always been a community like leader, a community volunteer. I really find my. I always tell people my favorite activity or my favorite um, hobby is to volunteer and give back to my community. I know that's a very cheesy answer, but it is what <laughs> I like to do in my free time. Um, so I uh, went to a lot of schools in elementary school and a lot of schools in middle school. But in high school, thankfully, I was able to have a little bit more stability. Um, I was at Elgin High School for my last two years of, of high school and Larkin High School my first two years. Um, Due to severe bullying um, for being one of the only openly queer um, people in school, um, I had to transition to Elgin High School, which truly was a blessing, where I got involved in theater, I got involved with the speech team, ended up becoming a speech champion, um, varied things that I enjoyed tremendously, Um, and after that I went to Elgin Community College. At Elgin Community College I also blossomed as a leader, um, becoming the president of our student students who are not silent, an LGBTQ advocacy group. I was a student body president up until graduation. And through my educational journey at ECC, I transferred over to a full-ride scholarship to a private Christian college called Eureka College. I know when people see me or hear me, you hear about my life experience. They don't imagine me going to a small private Christian college. But it was really to challenge myself to be sure that I can succeed in any environment that I'm in. So I actually graduated during the pandemic. Very exciting. (laughs) I finished finished school the same way I'm looking at you right now, <laughs> after um, but after I finished college and you know all the money that I saved up, I actually purchased the home here in downtown Elgin. I own one of the townhouses across the street from the casino. Um, I got a job actually the day before I graduated here in Elgin, so I'm headquartered in the Elgin area, and I cover over 55 municipalities, helping people get access to medical, dental, and behavioral health services. And, and I really have uh like I said I've entrenched myself in the community so I've volunteered on a lot of boards and commissions community leadership groups and I try to get involved as much as I possibly can while still balancing you know the work-life balance and you know getting myself prepared for marriage and starting my family as well so I really getting love soon
1: aren't you yeah I'm getting
0: I'm getting married in July so a couple congratulations after- so thank you so yeah I've uh, I had a lot of opportunities to go somewhere else after college, and somewhere my higher being told me that there's something left unsaid here in Elgin. I think that there's a lot of people that I can advocate for and really help them find their own voice as well, and that's why I came back, and I'm super happy that I did.
1: Well, it, it seems like a silly question now, but why are you running for city council? I mean, it seems like a natural progression, but but why now? Why you?
0: You see, that's always a really good question because you have to ask yourself that as a candidate, right? Why me? Why now? Why Why not support someone else that can advocate for the same ways that I would, right? And I think that because I've been so involved in our community, I've always been a background character, and I didn't mind it up to this moment, right? I was okay, like, you know, supporting other candidates, working on other candidates' campaigns just helping in any way that I possibly can. You know, a lot of people don't even realize that sharing on Facebook is a good way to support someone and expose them to an audience that they probably wouldn't have been exposed to. But as I got more involved in our community, I, to be honest, I was kind of getting tired of being pushed aside outside of election cycles. During election cycles, I was utilized oftentimes to get like the youthful um, perspective, to get really dynamic social media, to get people involved. And after that, once people got elected or people were reelected, I felt like I wasn't taken seriously as a community member and as a community leader. And so my whole campaign is about embracing our future. As the youngest candidate on the ballot, I am the future just mathematically. (laughs) So I'm going to see what policy changes are impacting our our, uh, families and my children and my grandchildren to come. And so, as a young person, I think that I created a really dynamic voice. I am a very dynamic individual. I'm really well-rounded in policymaking and policy decision-making, and I think that I want to bring my strong attributes as a candidate as really as a a method to start this movement, right? Young people all over our country are taking in leadership, are taking responsibility for our futures. And... I always refer back to that Martin Luther King quote, which I may unquote incorrectly, but um, it's never a wrong time to do right. I think that's what's similar to that. You know, so I told myself, like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to step into leadership in some way. I always say that when leadership calls, I'm always willing to answer. And I found myself really looking at this, uh, this slate of candidates and thinking, I can I can be up there with them. You know, I'm easily as qualified. I'm easily as talented. I'm well-spoken. I know what I can bring to the table, but I also know what I can improve on and, and work on. The great part of being, about being a young candidate is that I'm not stuck in my ways. I'm willing to learn from our community members. I'm willing to learn from the more seasoned leaders in our community and kind of pave our way um, moving forward. My whole concept is about creating a coalition of leadership and really working alongside people that I may not always agree with, but we need to really advocate for our residents. And so I ran for city council because I really thought that I would be a really great candidate and a great council member if elected. If the voter voter decides otherwise, um, you know, I'm still going to stick around. I don't necessarily think I need a title or a name, you know, something, a little name badge to walk around in, in public with. I think that this was just a really good option for me to do at the moment. And I was like, why not?
1: I've been talking with every candidate I'm talking to that I think most agree with me. Not enough people are voting local in Elgin in recent years. For, for the amount of people that are elig- eligible to vote, those, actual, those who actually turn out, those numbers are pretty low. And so it sounds mm. like some of what you're trying to bring to the table is getting even more areas of our community paying attention and, and coming out to vote.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, I'm so glad you brought that up, because the big thing about when I talk to people is about revitalizing our voter turnout and revitalizing our residents. I think people have lost a lot, uh, trust in a lot of elected officials, even at the local level, with the political politicalization that happened over the past couple of years, especially after the Trump administration. And I know because I grew up in the low-income neighborhoods when these local elections were happening, I remember referring asking a council candidate and I won't say names, (laughs) I asked the council candidate, I'm like, hey, like we knocked on all these doors, but no one ever knocked on my neighborhood. And they responded saying those people don't even vote. So why would I waste my time? And in my head, I'm like, but I was there, you know, I live there, you know, I'm a voter, my parents might not be eligible to vote, my brothers not might be eligible to vote, but I can vote. And I can motivate other people that are similar family circumstances to vote. So why didn't we talk to them? And it's because people think that their vote doesn't matter, that they don't come out and vote in such local elections where a handful of votes really determine who sit on that dais. And so that's one of the big things for me. It's It's been really energizing to see so many other kids or young people. I mean, mind you, they're, they're my age, so to me, like they're still kids. <laughs> um, other young people that grew up with me, that grew up in the same circumstances as me, that are so energized and excited, and they're keeping track of a local election that they probably wouldn't have. Because I do think that people can't become things that they can't see. So seeing me as a candidate and potentially me as a council member is going to motivate a whole generation of people that grew up in the same environment that I did, knowing that they can accomplish something in that level. And I'm I'm a true believer that getting elected doesn't mean that you will be a great leader, right? I think there's been a lot of elected leaders, elected people that aren't great leaders. Um, So I, I... my big thing, and I keep talking to people about this, is that leadership doesn't end once you're elected, and it won't end if I'm elected or if I'm not elected. And so I'm really pushing for more people to get more involved in their communities, and really, uh, this is a good stepping stone to a, a greater conversation of how to get involved in our community.
1: You're reminding I'm 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 going to get to the art, but you're reminding me of something someone mentioned last time I was doing these interviews last election is that it. it As someone who isn't living in those areas that people are canvassing, right, and coming to talk to, even running for office is not made for humans who don't have a nine-to-five or less than nine-to-five job or are starting with a set of resources and connections um, and who are just getting started to get involved. The times of meetings and the places you need to be to turn things in and those sorts of things aren't as accessible unless you're starting from a place of resource. Have, have have you found that at all? Did you find that when you first started taking on Absolutely. these roles in Algen?
0: So just a small context, I think because I have a poor kid mentality. So mind you, I have a full-time job, but I also have three part-time jobs. So I manage four jobs while on top of like everything else that I like to do in my free
1: time. (laughs) I'm familiar with the
0: situation. Yeah. My partner laughs at me and he's like, you do a lot of this for free. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting paid to like sit on boards or go to meetings. Like I'm doing this out of my free time. And so when I was getting ready to be a candidate, I realized like there was a lot of things going on that I had to, you know, step away from part time jobs. And I like having money, you know, growing up poor, like you don't like the idea of ever having to worry about making sure there's food in your fridge, making sure your lights stay on. And so even though I'm... far more privileged now than I was when I was younger, I find myself getting stuck in these situations. And even I was talking, I was in therapy on Monday and I was like, how do regular people run? I was like, I don't think regular people can run because running even for a local office is not set out for, for regular people. And I think that's where it's discouraging a lot as well, because I know a lot of community members, a lot of like single parents, a lot of, um, you know, uh, long-term parents, like their kids are already out of the home, that they have other application, other things that get in the way of them wanting to really give back to our community, that they could have been fantastic council members. And so I'm definitely recognizing my own privilege that I'm able to run. I have a really strong support system in my family and in my partner and even my coworkers. They're like, hey, Don't worry about going to that meeting or going to that event. I know you have a campaign thing. Like, feel free to go. We've got you. And that's been truly beneficial. And I realized um, it really comes out of privilege.
1: I think that's important for people to know. It was just, uh, you know, a place that voting and going into the booth and trying to figure out an educated vote is not something that you think about unless you're having these conversations. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, What has been your past involvement in supporting the arts and culture activities in Elgin?
0: So I I will tell you, which I always tell people, a lot of candidates, you'll hear these encyclopedia lists of like nonprofit boards that they've served on, which is great. I'll give them props. Like that's a lot of work, a lot of time, very volunteerism. Love it. My entire life up until this past year after college I was on the other end of the nonprofits right I was the kid that relied on the food pantry to make sure there was food in my you know in my in my own pantry and in my refrigerator I was the kid that had to call for my spanish speaking parents to the city whenever we had issues with our piping or whenever we needed an extension for our lights not to be turned off things like that um I was always on the other end of that um, so, same with art and the- and theater. So, I was always in programs when it, like for the low income and at risk youth, and I really divulged in that. But art has been so important to me since I was really young. When I was in sixth grade, I was actually the president of our art club. And if you refer back to our archives, you will prove it. I remember creating little styrofoam cakes. We we all <laughs> got the great ones, and it was like a it was like a nice little club for like the kids that didn't weren't comfortable going back home right away. And you know, we all got to hang out and talk and and do artistic stuff and display it across our school. And that was something that I really enjoyed and my art teacher, which I wish I could remember the name of, but she really enjoyed having me there because I was like very exuberant, very social, and I was able to captivate people to get involved in that manner and then um middle school and high school theater was my my game i started in probably like 36 different shows i loved it wasn't a singer so musicals were not my thing but i can act i can definitely act the house down so that was really good (laughs) and then um speech for me in high school was like the big thing for me actually this past saturday i just judged um the upstate eight speech conference for the state of illinois and um so I actually did uh, a wide variety of speech categories. And um, for me in Elgin High School, it was the first team that was actually created since 1972. So it was a little giant hiatus from when they had speech team and i did uh you know orator declamation i did dramatic interpretation i did spoken word poetry i did uh original prose and poetry i did a lot of different categories so i was running around every conference making sure that our team got some awards um and which ultimately did uh work out in high school i i placed top 3 um, actually yeah top three of overall speakers for the state and that was a pretty big accomplishment for someone from a team that barely started you know <laughs> yeah. and my my coach was bragging about it this past Saturday I was like calm down calm <laughs> down it's not even the- <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that continued into college you know I did a lot of plays at ECC and was really involved with theater um, would go to open mics at um, with the with the ECC Theater Club and, you know, all that. I actually did a performance for Side Street Studios Fringe Festival not that long ago when I was in college, too. Um, I did spoken word poetry alongside my friend Luis Aravallo and our other friend Alexis. I think it was, like, the top of Side Street Studios. I don't know what it's called. What's the yeah, in the top? theater.
1: That that might have been, yeah. like, 10 years ago now. That was early on
0: That, in was, that was in... 2019. That Woo! was in 2019. <laughs> so, uh, so that was like my extent to the arts. It was really edu- educational based because really at my age, that's all I really have going on. Right. Um, I had it, uh, I was in college up until this past year. Right. Um, So and then at Eureka College, I got very involved in theater there, too, was really involved in theater and I loved it. It was a way for find the com- commonalities amongst people I really didn't have many commonalities with. I think theater and art really brings people together. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it because it was kind of always the place for like the weirdos to go. You know, I was definitely not the popular kid, but I definitely got along really well with kids that were, you know, outside of that circle. So theater really got me into that. And now as an adult, as much as I try to, I really want to go to shows. I went to the art show that, uh, I don't think Side Street Studios did it. It was at the apartment.
1: At Art Space.
0: Art space. Yeah. So I try to go out there as much as I possibly can. And I've done been doing that before I was a candidate too. That's always the hardest part because I don't want to show up and just people think that I'm there because I'm the candidate. I'm there because I like my community and I like to give, you know, I like to just be part of it. I don't have to be the center of it. I just really want to be a part of it. And so even with uh, the Gin City, um, she does a lot of digital art. Um, She interviewed me for her series on Elgin People and that was like a fun little way I didn't reach out to her to get interviewed she reached out to me but I always like really loved her art I really love actually um I'm working on trying to get some art on my house my part my partner and I don't agree on art all the time so that's the part. <laughs> um, but that was like my extent of my art engagement and I hope to continue that but obviously, as I I don't want to divulge too much um, with my with my uh, personal life because I still want to balance everything else that's going on in my life too. so
1: with um you know, you're bringing that perspective of what it's like to grow up with different variations of art and how that can be an outlet and a communication and and help you find your fellow weirdos, right. Um, we all need we all need that. So what do you think that as a city council person that the city's role should be in those in those programs or bringing arts and cultural events to our community? What, what should the city's role be in that?
0: So I think the city is meant to be overall a supportive measure in, in, in all of our arts and you know theater and everything in our community. We have some portions of art and theater that are already supported by the city, but I truly don't believe that that's enough. I think statistically, art and theater has proven to benefit the lives of most people, especially those in the vulnerable populations that the city of Elgin does cover. And I think there's ways for us to market ourselves outside of the certain, you know, groups that are already participating in these art methods. I think that we can get very close with our low-income communities. being can collaborate with both the private and, and public school school systems in our in our district. And um, I think that we really I think that we should really prioritize art and theater in our community because I think it's a form of community bonding as I stated right it's a form of expression and I think that we're in a we're in an ever-growing progressive community and although I don't know I think my household is very progressive so when I go outside I'm like it's not as progressive as I think it is but we can continue to evolve to be more progressive and progressive is accepting all forms of art and and expression And so that's something that I would want to push for, And, you know, as a policymaker, as a council member, I would want to look into our spending and make sure that we're allocating a good amount to art and theater and really more more focused on what I would be more value driven is like our low income communities, making sure our communities of color have their own specific, because art is also very, very specific to our racial background, to our cultural background. You know, I know there's a lot of like Mexican traditions that I incorporate into my everyday life that is an art form that is a form of expression that is rooted into my community and rooted into my culture and exposing that to other people that might not be familiar with it has proven beneficial in their lives as well and so I really want to get rooted in those and I'm a huge thing of like just because it's worked in the past doesn't mean we should continue it. I think that we need to be innovative. We need to be outside of the box. If we really want to be the next dynamic powerhouse in our community and in throughout the state, right? People are talking about, oh, we need to make Elgin a visitor's bureau. We need to make Elgin a palatable for families. Theater, art, ways to get the community involved, the family involved, the non-traditional families involved. Um, those are ways that we're going to captivate people. And art and theater have always continuously been historic proven to get people together in so many uncommon ways
1: are there any and i'm talking very fast
0: so feel free to tell
1: me are there any <laughs> specific events or ideas or cultural specific programming that you have seen or you want to steal or you would like to see happen in elgin
0: So I think that having art festivals of all different cultures, like, you know, Festival Park is a beautiful area, especially during the summer seasons, that we can have like art festivals and make them specific to the communities that are really a portion of our our city, right? We have a large, um, you know, Mexican-American, Latino um, population, we have a large Laos population, large Polish population, and bringing that art to communities, because it's not only embracing that culture, but exposing that culture to people that might not have been exposed to it previously. So really embracing that as a form of education and as a form of art expression. One of the things that I would absolutely love to do is work alongside our educational institutions. One of my favorite things that I did was a 24-hour play festival. So what we what we would do is that we would open it up to high schools um, and like um, middle school students. They would create a play and we would you know we would accept the ones that we want to create and a group of volunteers would volunteer to act Volunteer to do stage production, to do lights, and to do like the whole run through. And in 24 hours, we're required to create that whole script into a play, um, you know, stage production, and then you would premiere it in front of the whole families. And that's what we did in college. And that was such a great experience. One, I ran through Monster really quickly. I was a director in the 24-hour play. and But it was such a good experience to see so many young people see their art expressed by these older people that were like so eager and in love with theater and seeing how like it became a thing that was so continuous that they were like oh when i go to college i can volunteer for this like i can be part of this and i can you know." talk to my my old high school teachers to make sure their students are submitting things. So it's about the continui- continuity, right? It's about creating something that's traditional, that's innovative, that's exciting, and people look forward to, and that the whole family can really incorporate themselves in. So something like that. I don't know. I, I always have a, a lot of great ideas. Oftentimes I'm like, I need to step back and realize if they're realistic. Um, but I think that's something that's realistic, that we can collaborate with a lot of organizations. We can make it a big Elgin-Wide thing, right? Nightmare on Chicago Street in itself is art, right? That's a that's a form of art. It's a part of art of artistic expression. People love the visuals. People love the music. People love the the community bonding. We can establish something similar to that. That's not just rooted in that one singular day, right? We can create things that are more family focused. I do believe that we still need some adult focused events because. All adults, you know, really feed into their children, right? If adults are in, engaged in their community, if they're excited about what the community is creating, the children will follow through with that as well. And so I think there needs to be a good mixture of, of, of those form of events and like, you know, traditions for our community
1: you're you, around here. We have to say, we don't have to turn everything into a festival. Like every time we yeah. have an idea, we're like, and it'll be three days and what, you know, there'll be all of it yeah. and it'll be the festival. And we're like, okay, let's start with one day, one thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But just general, like for me, I, so I used to work for the city, the center of Elgin before I used to be like a camp counselor youth. I don't know what they're called now, but um, that's actually how I met councilwoman Tish Powell. Cause her kid was one of my camp kids and I remember one of the big things that really impacted me when I was a camp counselor was they actually cut funding for low-income kids to be part of those programs for a, a lower lower cost. And I know now because of the ERC closing, they've adjusted that. But I truly believe that we still should provide those services literally at no cost. I don't understand why it's such a controversial thing to invest our money into our children and to invest our, the money into the people that are going to lead our community. And I think that art education should be so important, theater education, and I always tell people, if you can put your kid into speech class in elementary school, you know, you go ahead, because speaking eloquently and speaking well-spoken it will move you so far in your, in your career and in your education. I think that someone asked me, what's my key to success the other day? And I said, being able to vocalize what I feel and how I need, what I need to succeed has helped me succeed. And so I think that's like a big thing. And, you know, I am all about, you know, empowering our children, empowering our children with education. So those are the things that I would do that would be more consistent throughout the year
1: you talk a lot about our youth you know and we've talked about art and I know everyone running has things beyond uh, the creative that are important to them really quickly mm-hmm. what 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 else is is uh propping you up what else is your platform um, for becoming city councilman?
0: Yeah so I know that we talk about like there's there's underlying issues right for me and for me it's about ensuring that our residents have a high quality of life and that's really important to me because we talk about homelessness and housing insecurity i actually was homeless after i left my parents home when they you know were you know physically and financially abusing me when i was a teenager i was able to work when i was 15 and they took advantage of that to you know amplify their drug usage and that's something that i'm you know i'm very, very open about but when i left i didn't have anywhere to go so i lived out of my car co- Car and thank God to the people at ECC and Planet Fitness that let me park my car at night in the area and not call the police on me, and the people at Planet Fitness letting me take a shower there every day. Um, you know, I I think homelessness and housing insecurity is really important and we need to address it. Homelessness, um, you know. As we continue to evolve in a metropolitan format and becoming a bigger city, that's not going to be eradicated. I do not truly believe that it will be eradicated, but we need to meet people where they are, and we need to provide them resources. At a, you know, I believe that we need to provide free housing. And in-house support services. I think that relying on them to go to different buildings, different parts of the city to get the resources that they need is going to hinder them. And working in healthcare for the past, you know, 11 years, I know that the continuity of care is so important to the quality of life in housing insecurity. Right. We talk about housing insecurity as like, oh, we don't have people. We don't have places to buy. We don't have places to to uh, rent. We don't have housing opportunities. But just because people ha- have homes doesn't mean that they have food on their tables, doesn't mean that their lights are on, doesn't mean that their heat is on. So we need to be sure that we're really analyzing the, the quality of life of the people that live in, live within our community and ensure that we're doing the best that we can to advocate for them and, and their needs, right? The, and the big thing to me is that I'm a person-focused individual. I don't think that a cookie cutter is going to solve every single person's issue. So we really need to take it holistically, but take every individual's own personal lived experience to see how we can advocate for the most people and do the most right. And so that's a a large portion. And that, you know, falls very closely to me. I I remember not that long ago, someone posted a homeless individual on what's happening in Elgin, which what happened in Elgin is like a big yay and no at the same time. (laughs) But I remember zooming in this photo and when I zoomed in this photo, the woman that was sitting outside the Butera in down, in, in uh, East Side of Elgin was my babysitter when I was younger. And after she and after she was violently raped, and her family pushed her aside because they didn't believe it because it was a family member that did it. She went down a route of substance use, lost custody of her children, and that was the last time I saw her was outside of that Butera. I actually took her to Dunkin' Donuts, bought her a coffee, talked to her about what happened, and I provided her some resources, right? I I, uh, think that ultimately people do have to advocate for themselves at some portion, but you have to provide them the resources to be able to really push themselves into the next portion of their life. And um, so that's like a big thing that's really important to me. You know, when we talk about inheriting a community that we're proud of, That also incorporates that we're going to be advocating for proper infrastructure, proper sustainability, and proper utilities in our community, right? I want my children to be proud of the community that they're part of, not have to worry if they call City Hall that they're going to get hung up on or be yelled at or be told, oh, didn't we already tell you this before? That's not proper customer service when it comes to that. And I want to be sure that they're inheriting a community that really cares about the everyday people, right? Not select neighborhoods or select groups of people that are the loudest in the room, because oftentimes the quieter ones are the ones that need the assistance. And so I really believe in that. I'm a huge um, proponent for public safety. Um, I was in the community task force for policing um, in the past year. I served as the vice chair for the duration of that group, and I really push for realistic, you know, policy improvements for our community. And I'm a huge, huge person if. If we're reflecting in a, in a policy and it doesn't match our societal standards, it is now that we need we make those changes. Not after a not after a horrible incident that impacts you know that caused you know a fatality. It's about reviewing policy now so we can avoid and be preventative as much as possible instead of reactive. So I'm a huge policy geek. That's one thing that I definitely would bring as a council member. I will read those packets. I will read everything that I possibly can. I will ask the questions that are needed to ensure that the policies that we're improving and the policies that we're making are really going to be um, the best for our community in the long long haul. Um, So I think that's a little bit. And like I said, uh, a coalition of united leadership is really important to me. I personally am so tired of the divisiveness. I was in sixth grade when Barack Obama became president. I was in college when Donald Trump became president. So, and then I, you know, I graduated college when Joe Biden became president. So these are the last three presidencies that I've been surrounded around in the divisiveness that entrenches like literally every entity that I'm a part of is so tiring. I really want to be a person that's going to be here for our community, right? I'm it's not a me thing. It's not about my ideas, it's about how what we as a collective can gather together and advocate for the community members that need it most and really push us to the next step in our in our lives right i don't want to just help people get by but i want them to thrive in all aspects of their lives and so that's one thing that i'm really pushing for is that i i'm you know i'm a loud mouth so i'm going to voice my opinion and i'm going to i'm going to debate as much as i possibly can but the end goal is not to have it my way but to come to a common ground where we're really advocating for all of our community members the best that we possibly can can and I'm great I'm grateful to always be willing to get feedback and my big my life goal is to always improve and that's what I anticipate to do.
1: Ishmael if people want to know more about you or your campaign where can they find that information?
0: So the best way to find information about my campaign is on my website, which is ishmaelcordova.com. So that's I-S-M-A-E-L-C-O-R-D-O-V as in Victor, A.com. And from there, you can click the Stay connected on the right-hand corner, and it'll actually connect you to all of my social media platforms that so you can stay in contact with me.
1: Thank you so much for sharing and joining me today. It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: Thank you so much. You take care. And I, I look forward to hearing all your other interviews, too. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you, right, everyone, for listening. Be sure to follow and like the podcast and all Se- side street activities. And don't forget to vote. Early voting starts Monday, March 20th. The, the big day is Tuesday, April 4th. Get out there. Vote local. Thank you, everyone.
0: Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.